Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're going to be speaking with Tim Brandfeld, the host of Godrepreneur Pod. But first, we're going to get into a little bit of Cannabis Legalization News. So what's going on, Tom and Miggy? I know Tom's on the road. Where are you at? Hey, Lauren. Is I am you? at uh, Schaumburg, the Renaissance Convention Center for the Illinois Cannabis Summit. Why don't you come on down? Uh, and not only that, I'd, I'd like to start off the show by doing a small plug because I want to thank Smoke Pros, who has made these wonderful dube tubes, and they, they even delivered them to the event because, you know, the they went the, uh, above and beyond, went the extra mile. We might actually have uh, Smoke Pros on one day for uh, a guest to discuss dube tubes and other swag and branding because you can't have a trade show in cannabis without having the right swag and branding. And, of course, you can't have a good party with dubes. That you pre-rolled without having a dupe too. No doubt. No doubt. And it, it even advertises the channel. So thank you for joining us on Wednesday at 2. And please like and subscribe to help other people uh, get awareness of cannabis legalization news. Maybe why don't you tell us something that happened uh, in your neck of the woods for cannabis news? And then we'll talk about Illinois. Yeah. So in recent news yesterday, I did core support for uh, uh, the state versus fam. Um, they long this case is coming from 2016. You know, you think uh, everything's legal, but it's not. Um, during 2016, there was a transition period where uh, active medical could transition into the recreational because, you know, everybody's going to magically get seeds and plants some, from somewhere. So there was a grace period in between. Uh, now, during this time period, this gentleman, uh, Lynn Pham, was uh, going to be I-502. Matter of fact, he is presently I-502 producer processor. He goes under hemp. When you say I-502, let's let's expand that a little bit because not everybody's in Washington State. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the recreational that's the law that made uh, uh, recreational marijuana here in Washington State. So we just refer to it generically as I-502. Of course, then he has the medical side of it. But uh, uh, he's you know so here's here's the funny thing is he is uh, uh, a producer processor and part of the recreational scene. But at that time, when he was transitioning, uh, he's an Asian American uh, gentleman's name's Lin Pham, uh, big dude, uh, kind of intimidating, but you know, gentle guy. It's the city of Kent, where we live out here, uh, was actually following him. They're trying to make a case against this guy. They thought he was some sort of cartel guy, right? And the only thing that makes him stand out is the fact that he's Asian American. There was no. Uh, you know, the family was doing all the right things. Uh, they collect their funds, buy a house. Uh, it's kind of how they do things out here, right? Well, uh, the, the uh, police of the city of Kent followed him, tried to make a case, raided a house that his dad was renting out to somebody else. He was there to pick up rent from the renters. And at that same time, they raided the fucking house. And so he tried to really? say... They yeah. didn't raid his house. They raided his dad's house. What was the probable cause for raising his dad's house? Well, they on the assumption that the, when he was picking up the rent, that was money for some sort of nefarious Rico bullshit cartel. Uh, you know, like he was the ringleader. And so like paying your rent was money laundering or something. Yeah. 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 And, and they, 
it was more, and then too, the raid was cir uh, circumstantial because he was there, and, and they wouldn't even hear him out that it wasn't his grow. They wouldn't hear him out that it belonged to somebody else. Uh, Wait, now, yeah. Now ask, answer me this: Aren't there only a finite number of licenses under that 502 rubric that you have? So maybe somebody was trying to squeeze him out so they get his. Well, there's actual. Um, uh, he saw the court records. I spoke with him after the case. Uh, you know, everybody's suspicious about our uh, WLCB, the, the the regulatory body out here. Um, suspicious that they're, you know, and it kind of is, you know, brother against brother out here. But it's this it's a situation. Uh, he thinks it was a neighbor that called it in. Uh, the neighbor really? called it, uh, And what we're saying, and this is our whole argument with Home Grow, is uh, complaint, uh, 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 enforcement's going to be complaint driven, not like, uh, uh, right. you know. So that's what happened here. They were saying, hey, there's a grow in this house. And then they, um, I guess they tried to build a record against them, a case against them with this raid. And at the same time, he was he was already part of the, the medical side. What happened to the raid? So, like, what was the fruit of the raid? Did they find any, like, illegitimate so product? 20, well, 20 pounds. I mean, there was a grow there, but it wasn't his grow. Uh, I asked. Oh, him so there was an illegal grow? Well, it was a medical grow, but they put it on him. Wait. What's the difference between an illegal grow and a medical grow? So at the time, and again, back to the arbitrary uh, uh, states' rights type shit that we do in Washington, uh, when medical happened, uh, you know, I was allowed automatically to grow 10 plants if I had my prescription. So that was my defense. That was my uh, – and then if I had – if I was growing for friends, then that would multiply my increase of plants, right? So oh, that's different than Illinois. You're, you're – household limited to five Ew. so like you know it doesn't matter you got friends and family all in the same household you get five plants no we that and that's that was the collective uh premise out here you know we would have we'd be a collective and uh, uh that's kind of what got we have uh, a case out here was called the kettle falls five uh there was an all medical case a family uh and they eventually dropped it was a federal case too but uh again so it had to be before 2014 or so right yeah oh yeah medical? all right yeah it was medical it was like 2012 uh the reason why uh and i think they had like 100 plants but the father had cancer so uh, you know it takes a lot of plants so if you're trying to make some rso i mean that's that's some serious distillation and like you know because i mean like the the vials that you'll get in you know the illinois medical facilities you get a gram of rso it's about like 70 percent thc and then the rest of all the botanical cannabinoids and, and terpenoids and all that other shit so like how many grams did you have to start with to press that all out that's something that we might be able to ask our guest on uh, a little bit later he's been in the industry for a bit yeah, no, that's a that's been my huge thing about this uh, whole like plant amounts and whatnot. Because for sick people, it takes a lot of plants uh, to make that actual compressed like a concentrate. Yeah, my son asked me before right. what's what's the difference between uh, flour and the concentrates, and I told him think about orange juice and orange juice or oranges and orange juice. You know, uh, I like beer and vodka. So like you know, because people usually understand alcohol, and you can be like, all right, well, beer, it's you know. 5% liquor, right? But then you get some whiskey or some vodka and it's like 40% liquor. It's just a concentration of the actual stuff. Yeah, so, well, that's a great way to, to explain the uh, the potency part of it. But, you know, to a 10-year-old, to you're mm -hmm. like saying you, you have the orange and now you, you take that juice out. Now mm -hmm. it's just more powerful vitamin C. You know, it's, it's I talk to the kids like that. But uh, so, yeah, this guy uh, was been going through a case since 2016. Uh, the first day was Monday of the trial that I learned about it. Um, cool. there, there they had sheriff uh, witnesses and, and all the other people that were part of the uh, arresting team, I guess to be saying. And then today or yesterday when I went in, I was ready to go in for a full uh, just to get facts. Uh, they're in new jury selection. And okay. right, before, right before it started, they pleaded out. Uh, they, oh, really? Yeah. So and I tried searching for this record for the for the case. I'm on a serious uh concern right now that um because when i looked under washington state records when i looked under his name uh nothing popped but there was a little disclosure that said uh uh sealed cases can't be found in a search bar or whatever and <laughs> and it just so there's multiple marijuana cases coming up here in washington in a legal state uh there's another case i learned about right 
at the same time. Yeah. Well, this is one. This is one. Then Joe Smith said this. You know, hey, don't forget. You know, the crime labs in Illinois, they can only detect for the presence of THC. They can't detect for the quantity of THC to make that line in the sand between what is and what is not industrial hemp. And that was one of the pieces of news out of Illinois this week. Is that actually it's from September 30th? The the state of Illinois is only looking at THC delta nine THC levels when determining uh, if your stuff is industrial hemp or not. So. You know, that was that funny video that I did uh, when the season was getting started back in April about how uh, high quality cannabis, medical cannabis is very often industrial hemp, because if you take a really good care of your plants and cure it right, uh, a lot of the THCA does not denature. So you can get uh, industrial hemp and it's medical cannabis. So, well, the that, 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 yeah, go. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to say the same thing happened in Tennessee. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, so like because they cannot distinguish between uh, the levels of THC in the plants that they are confiscating, they have a proof problem because the crime labs can only detect the presence of THC. It can't detect the quantity of that THC. So and then also considering that they're only looking at the Delta 9 THC levels, the vast majority of cannabis out there, provided that it was well cared for and is, is going to be considered industrial hemp. And so they can't prove it. And most of it's industrial hemp, according to their rules, at least for this year. It's kind of messed up. Well, did you hear about Michigan and the testing for all the hot hemp there? Uh, some states are adopting different things where they aren't looking just at the uh, the Delta 9 levels. Some are like trying to look at uh, total THC. Some, I think, are even using like 1% total THC. But uh, I, I'm really just dialed in for Illinois because it's croptober and uh, uh when the crops are coming in they're wondering what they're supposed to do when their delta nine levels are spot on or a little bit low but then their thca levels might be over 10 percent. now do you guys have um i imagine you do like the ncia but who uh is representing illinois when it comes to like the testing practices who's asking for certain specific standards out there uh, the farmers and then uh, the farmers talk to the Department of Agriculture. And then so that's why the Department of Agriculture said we're just going to be looking at Delta 9 levels. They're not going to be looking at THCA levels. We're not going to be looking at total THC levels. But they did say watch out for next year because we're expecting the FDA to issue some type of guidance before the 2020 crop year rolls around. And that might fix a lot of these problems. However, you have to understand that the way that the farm bill was written, the way that the Illinois statute was written, it says absolutely boo nothing about THCA. So the only cannabinoid that really matters when you're looking at the, uh, the plant to determine whether or not it's illegal marijuana or lawful industrial hemp is the Delta 9 number. And it's the 0.3% Delta 9 THC. If you're growing something that has 25, 26% THCA and something goes wrong, it can very easily denature enough. So like, you know, your THC levels might be like 1% or so. And so then you'd be screwed. But, you know, it's um, it's interesting and it's indicative that they don't really know what they're regulating because they've they've put the line in the sand for an element that is not what the plant really produces, but is what the plant, you know, gets you high at. So uh it's industrial hemp, but keep it away from fire. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? We've all talked about that before where the types of testing can produce different types of results. And if you're yep. looking at Delta 9, especially with chromatography. Uh, yeah, gas chromatographs. Mm -hmm. Gas chromatographs. That could be interesting. Oh, let's uh, let's go to engineering cannabis real quick. What solutions do you see to solve that problem? That That's the issue. Like you have legislatively put it as Delta 9 THC, 0.3%. In, in the farm bill and also in Illinois and probably also in other states. It doesn't say total THC. It doesn't. And so if you have exceedingly high quality, well taken care of, indoor grown, fine cannabis, I, I did the, the version that I did in that video from April was uh, G6 jet fuel from uh, Gold Leaf. And, you know, it was like 0.01% Delta 9, but it was 31% THCA. The statute doesn't say THCA. The statute doesn't say THCA at the federal level or at the state level, which means that they may have to legislatively fix it. And until they legislatively fix it, they're doing something that's beyond the actual the plain meaning of the statute. Well, the problem with the legislation to do it as well is scientifically there has to be a, an, an agreement upon the, the labs. Uh, that's one of the issues we have here in Washington is the standardization of testing. And it's like. Everybody's saying, you know, how come one lab can test uh, 60% THC, another lab tests 10% THC? Methodology. Well, that too. But if methodologies were always the same, 
you can yeah. prove, you know, it's always going to be consistent at that point. Right now we have inconsistency. And you can't base policy off inconsistency. I don't think. No, but that's, that's the whole silly thing that goes back to the book that I wrote that 10 years ago, how we came to know each other was that Congress was legislating scientific fact as if it could, like this would be no different than if Congress passed a law that said global warming is over because we found some scientific facts that says global warming is over. And then they go further and they say that it's illegal to study weather patterns for evidence of global warming, just like they did with cannabis, where they made it illegal to study cannabis for its benefit. Uh, and so when Congress gets into the job of legislating scientific fact, all sorts of BS happens like we have right now. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, we're still, uh, you can't have non-foundation of good science when you don't have the ability to, 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 to test it, to, to actually prove it. Um, but that's, that's Congress's job is to find facts. And right. so when Congress is doing its job by finding the facts, it is, it's, um, it, it's not good in the sense that, you know, you have a, an ax to grind legislatively for some type of morality that you're trying to legislate and you're, you're taking the facts and conforming them to your dogma like they would if they were trying to prohibit um, global warming from being a thing or prohibit cannabis. But, you know, it, it should be in such a way that science is allowed to figure out the facts and then advise uh, Congress as to what they are. But no, no. Well, do you think maybe like if the descheduling thing, that's always one topic that people say is a, a, a path to legalization. If, right. if it got descheduled, for, uh, say, to two or three, then would that be a point to then start having more testing available? Because we're just getting to the point where there's like approved testing. But if right. we have more expanding, I, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know either. That's the thing. There, there really is no answer to that, uh, which kind of stinks. But at the same time, it's cannabis. So at least they're starting to legalize it now. And in theory, the farm bill, for all intents and purposes, legalized all marijuana, uh, provided that it was grown correctly and it didn't get hot. And so imagine if that's what people start doing, that they just start growing their, in, quote unquote, industrial hemp, uh, exceedingly babying the plant and making sure that no matter what, they harvest it or they destroy it if it goes hot and it's over 0.3% Delta 9 THC, they just kill it. Uh, or then they harvest uh, the stuff that's less than delta nine but it's let's say 30 percent thca what what's who's going to shut you down then who's going right. to say that is illegal because the statute doesn't say anything about thca it only talks about delta nine so they'd have to fix it legislatively in my opinion but also so you know thca is that that can also convert to delta nine can it in a way of testing that's right yeah, uh, you're right. So like, if you're using gas chromatograph stuff and they so the gas chromatographs testing will always create these false positives because it will heat the substrate and use gas. And then that it'll heat it over the 222 Fahrenheit or whenever the decarboxylation actually happens in the plant. And then suddenly you're going to get these false positives, which is really the intent of the law, which means that the law probably should be changed because the thing that they're trying to prevent is this intoxicating substance from being out there, but they didn't ban the intoxicating substance. They, they banned the, uh, well, no, they banned the intoxicating substance, but not the substance that the plant is creating. And, and it creates this, this huge glaring loophole in the uh, current federal law. I feel you. But you know who has probably something uh, to say about this? Probably Tim. Yeah, let's bring Tim on. How's it going, guys? Tim, thank you. Too much. How, how y'all doing? Doing pretty well, man. So something I think you're overlooking here, man, is that uh, none of these state-approved programs uh, or none of these state programs, right, that, that have legalized hemp statewide have been approved by um, the Department of Agriculture, which they have to do uh, before they actually become sort of permanent law. And so uh, maybe in this process, maybe in the, in the public comment process, if they actually allow that sort of thing, um, they might actually look to fix uh, so, some of these things, things uh, that you're mentioning. Yeah, and I, they, they absolutely need to. But again, it just goes back to that they don't understand the plant that they're regulating. So if they understood the plant that they were regulating, they were actually to do, able to do rulemaking and then public comment periods uh, and fact-finding, then they would be able to put a level of total THC at like 1%, which is fine. 
you know, it's nobody's going to get high on 1% total THC. That's actually uh, what Vermont set their, their limits at in, in their, in their state right. legislation. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I remember like, you know, uh, Vermont is the state that had that. Cause I remember like one state when I was reviewing all the laws, like seeing like, Oh, there you go. Total THC 1%. That's the way to do it. But, um, most of the other ones, they didn't, they just put it at 0.3% Delta nine. And, you know, I'll, Whenever I go to the dispensary, I turn over the, uh, you know, the cannabis to see what its levels are, to see whether or not it's industrial hemp or not, you know. Do, I, do either of you two know where the fuck they got this number from? Like for hemp, like, like okay, now this is like. It's, it's, it's arbitrary, man. Well, Just it, like everything I, else the government does, it's arbitrary. It's, it's <laughs> arbitrary and it comes from the 70s. And <laughs> so like I, yeah, so like I found the article, all right, that it's from. Uh, and I think it's, it's linked somewhere like, hi, I'm Tom and you can find me at cannabisindustrylawyer.com. Uh, one of those articles on that webpage has the link back to the original, uh, study from like 1976 or 73 when they got this 0.3 number, but it was like for sale for $60 on like PubMed or, or one of those JSTOR, uh, document repositories. Cause it's like a scientifically, you know, fancy article. So you should pay $60 for it. Huh? Well, because the reason why I ask is because, you know, I work in the uh, uh, creation industry, you know, checks and balances type shit. And uh, uh, the A2LA, who's one of the bigger bodies of accreditation, they have a whole fucking cannabis section, you know. And, and that's my, my bitch amount is, you know, if we have a standardization, one way of doing things, it would be a better way to establish the rest of the rules, you know, in my opinion. But Yeah. Hey, Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, man? Uh, so I'm the host of the Gonspreneur.com podcast. I'm also uh, one of the staff writers over there. Uh, I've been doing it since uh, about 2014, the writing bit, and then the podcast stuff since about 2016. Um, you know, and so so I've I've just been doing that for them. I'm a media studies professor at a SUNY Plattsburgh. Uh, not a whole lot of my students actually know uh, what I do uh, writing wise. I sort of say, you know, I cover a specialty industry. Um, but yeah, so so and and now I'm on this podcast with you guys. So awesome, yeah, man. Uh, you were the first podcast that I ever did, uh, and you were great. Like, and I told you you had a voice for yeah. this thing at the time. Oh, and then uh, the, it got worse uh, for me. Uh, well, because like, all right, so back in April of 2018, I got shit canned from the, the firm that I was at. And uh, I returned some money to a client and then I was out. And so uh, that happened like literally two hours before I was supposed to go on your podcast. And so I had just come off from, you know, being lit. And uh, and then I had to build all this stuff. So like I, I went from zero to uh, if I check and I, I check a lot because uh, I'll I'll use the search term cannabis lawyer to see where I'm ranking on Google Search Console because I'm kind of a nerd and I taught myself SEO and shit. And so uh, I'm, I'm results 7.8 now. So like, you know, that's not bad for 15 months. No web presence results 7.8. And then so that's good. At least Google thinks that I'm a cannabis lawyer. It's that was the intention. Uh, but then like later on that year, I had to MC our Christmas party for our local bar association. And then the, the president of the ISBA, uh, said that I was uh, good with an audience and in front of them, like, you know, on my feet and stuff, and that I'd be a, a good trial lawyer. And me, I, I hear, I don't want to be a trial lawyer. I wonder if I could parlay this into something on YouTube. And I did. Nice. Yeah. Well, Google's a big, good, good barometer. It's not bad, but I mean, like you've been doing the Gontrepreneur podcast for so long uh, and Gontrepreneur has got such um, a reach in the cannabis media. How did you guys get started? And, and you know, tell us more about Gontrepreneur and, and where they fit in cannabis media. Man, I answered a Craigslist ad actually after I'd covered uh, the the passing of medical cannabis in New York for Reuters, and I, I was just trying to look for a hustle, right? So, so I reach out to them. They're like, "Hey, you know," and it, it was a good fit. And you know, that sort of snowballed. I, I do one thing, then I do another thing, and then you know, they, they're like, "Hey, didn't you say that you had a background in radio?" I was like, "I got fired from Clear Channel for saying shit on air three times. Like, why?" Oh no, you can say shit as many times as you want. <laughs> one of the things, like. I, because I, I'm a nerd, so I look at the search algorithms, and I'm like, I think we might get downregulated if we're swearing too much, and and because YouTube has a search algorithm that's a cruder version of the Google search algorithm, same ownership. Okay. So like sometimes I'll be like, Hey, Miggy, you got to swear so much, man. But we're already talking about weed. Well, the FC, I mean, the FCC, <laughs> it was basically like you got to fire him or, or or you're out, right? So it's no, a different world. Oh, radio is. So so I. Uh, 
so basically I took it over for Shango and I've never met Shango and I'd never done a podcast and, um, you know, and I just approach it sort of differently, right? Because I'm, I'm the only person doing it. There's not three of us. There's just me and a guest. And, and, you know, so I try to ask questions that are, are a little more thought provoking or a little more, you know, speaking to our audience. Right. So, uh, as far as where we fit, I mean, we're independent, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, we, we don't have, you know, we don't use the word weed. We don't use the word marijuana. We don't use the, you know, we strictly use the word cannabis. And I, yes. as, as a journalist, right, I have a master's degree in journalism, right? So, so you know, I, I take my job very seriously in being as down the middle as possible. And as, as I teach media bias, and so I do not want to be biased, right? So I, right. just the facts, man, you know, and that's what I was taught as a journalist. So I think that we do sort of fill that role. I wish I could do more sort of long form work and, and, and that's my time constraints, right? Because I'm a, I teach, right? That's four classes. So, you know, and, and that's where I think that, that we fit, you know, and I have no social media presence. Uh, I have a Facebook page that's a pseudonym. I, I don't have Twitter. And so, so for people to know about us and what we do and what I do, I mean, it's, 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 it's cool. You know, it's, it's, do you think that you have to keep it like under the radar like that? I mean, I know you're not trying to be subversive. You're trying to be down the middle and unbiased. But then why do you not try to promote it and keep it low key? I mean, I don't promote myself. I mean, and that's and that's the nature of who I am as a human being, right? And I think that that frustrates my bosses sometimes because they're like, you know, you you don't do interviews, you don't, you know, you don't really look to do media like you know, I, you don't fly. Right. So, and it's not because I don't like to fly. I don't like TSA. Right. So, so, you know, and, but I think that they appreciate like what I bring to the table and, and, you know, if it, they do that stuff, so I don't have to, and I really appreciate that. Well, it's kind of like being part of a network, right? I mean, you used to be a contributing part of Reuters. Now you're part of a entrepreneur. Uh, you know, you have these bigger powers that are doing the grind for us and you just got to use your voice to be like, Hey, uh, I'm asking the important questions. Like, uh, I don't know, when will be the next state to legalize or whatever? I mean, I mean, I'm in New York right now, right? I live in the Adirondacks in, in a very conservative part of the state. And man, I, I really feel it like that, that New Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, like Connecticut, Rhode Island, it's all going to drop. Like then they yeah. have to, because New York, I mean, dude, I go to Montreal. I live an hour from the border. Mm. Right. And, and yeah. like, so I can go to another country and I can buy all of the pre-rolls I want. Right. And, th but I can't bring them home. Right. So I smoke nine right. in a weekend. I tell you that much. Um, <laughs> One weekend. Yeah. So, 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 you know, and then I go to Massachusetts, right. Four hours away. And, and so, so we're stuck right now and, and it's going to go this year, except it's New York, which means taxes are going to be high. Licenses oh, are going to be corporate, uh, you know, and, and, and that's what's going to happen here. And, and the black market's still going to be there for me. So, Heck yeah. I mean, talking about Illinois, it's very similar. We also call it cannabis in Illinois. But uh, the only time that I really call it marijuana is when I'm using it as a clinical legal term of art when it comes to federal law. Because if you look into the Controlled Substances Act, that's what it says on that line. It says marijuana. So it's it's literally using that derogatory term for the plant. And, and encoding it into federal law. And out east, a lot of like Pennsylvania, I reviewed their law, they call it marijuana. Wisconsin calls it marijuana. I, you know, it, some of the states have continued to adopt that derogatory term uh, simply because I think the federal guidance that they gave uh, has, has perpetuated that. But, you know, I, I'm glad that you guys actually use the botanical name as opposed to the, the racist name that they used to get the thing uh, illegal in the first place 82 years ago. Well, and sometimes tough, right? Because like when you're talking about a story where you're, where you're trying to talk about hemp, right? Hemp is cannabis. So how do you differentiate, right? right? Like, so sometimes, you know, I, I, I don't read the comments often, uh, but when I do, I sometimes see that like hemp is cannabis too. And it's like, calm down guys. Like, I, you know, I'm just trying to avoid using the term marijuana, right? Which, you right. know, I, I don't even use in, like, common parlance. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, no, that's the only time I use it. I'll use it just as an allegory. Be like, no, you, you realize why I'm using it, because that's what it says at the federal level. 
You call it cannabis. Well, yeah, Michigan spells it with a J or an H. Like what the hell? Yeah, going that's on? that's exactly how it's spelled yeah. at the federal level. I think. It, well, <laughs> I know for thirty-seven it was spelled with an H. I'm not sure if nineteen seventy United States spoke enough Spanish to know that you'd use a J and pronounce it like an H. I don't know that. No, no, that's so funny. What? Uh, um, yeah. You know what? By the way, I use marijuana. I'm taking it back. <laughs> you could take it like i, I kind of like using trees it, like, we, we, man we i don't know trees uh like dank chronic i i use dank all the time speaking of please go to danksupply.online for all your hemp needs well you know what you're talking about Sorry, hemp. I should stop. you can always call it cannabis light i i well, well i do use the term uh, can of business i i'm not sure if, if if we coined that term over at gondrepreneur uh but you may have like I, you had to business. have coined gondrepreneur yeah so like, so that 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 that's not me that's that's all that's all the uh the, the marketing brothers guys. you know yeah. like media nice. team I mean, those are the guys that really like like people. I don't think talk enough about is these two brothers. You know, they're young dudes, and like they they started this, basically hired me, and then like actually grew it, right? And were able to hire other people, and like you know had a vision. And and I, I mean, they're great human beings, and and I don't think that I don't think the people really know you know that they exist and i'm not sure if they're like me or they're just like nah man i'm just gonna stay back here in the mountains right so you, you think yeah. preneur was called, uh, made by two brothers yeah so so it was uh it was the first just a blog um, i didn't know that, that really that yeah that graham graham abbott and noel abbott hey guys uh that they started and then they were looking to expand it and looking to make it a little more serious. And that's when I came on. I mean, like, I don't consider myself anything more than like, you know, like they're mercenary, right? Like they need, they needed something written and I would go write it. Um, you know, and, 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 and they've done, and they've done the media thing. They've done the, you know, the talking that, at, at, uh, you know, things like you're at right now, the, the conventions. Um, Oh yeah. You see this? It's just I know it's super, it's super uh, fancy. Like I'm, I, oh, I, I want to get one now. My assistant my, my podcast is not. I, I want to thank Christy for doing this. She did a great job, and uh, I think it turned out wonderfully. Hey, hey it, Tim. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, in actuality, that thing is only what, like three by three, right? It's just a cover. Oh, it's it's an eight by eight. It's it's a it's a comedy of errors when you try to see me put this thing up because <laughs> like I'll put up one side and then the other side will go down and then I'll be like, oh shit. And then I have to go over to the other side. I'll put the other side on the other side. And I'm like, oh, crap. You need and a taller like, assistant. Um, I, I, it, it's just me, man. It's just me. And so, like, I am living out of a suitcase. I have an air mattress. It's dogs and cats, I tell you. I live out of two cities. That's why. But, yeah. you know, that's, that's because business is good. Uh, it, it, it keeps me everywhere, man. It keeps me everywhere. Hey, hey Tim, do you guys, uh, like, recently they had a, uh, uh, for, uh, for media, uh, like, using the word cannabis and stuff like that. Um, do you happen to know, uh, like for ASL, American Sign Language? Um, so yesterday, well, this, this is all coming down to proper terms. Uh, when I was at this court support, uh, in the beginning, in, in ASL, the guy that was prosecuting, when they talked about drugs, they do the tap on the arm for drugs. Huh. And when they talk about marijuana, they do this. And if you have a jury, that kind of seems like it would... Uh, uh, swayed them you know kind of a uh, uh, lead to you know like you know we're talking about marijuana but that's not do we have to do this and uh somebody said you know they asked them the judge can they not do that and the judge said no that's what they that's what they i don't speak language you know that's what they're doing so you know that's really interesting yeah it's all about perception right i mean this is the whole reason why i've been blogging for so long and doing the shit that i do it's mostly just saying hey look we're fucking functional citizens i just want to be left the fuck alone you know that's yeah that yeah, crazy? no, and that's and that's something like like I'm I you know my first sort of semester at teaching I was like I didn't tell anyone what I did like I really kept it under wraps I was like if you guys want to find out like like figure it out on your own right I'm not that hard to find if you do a Google search right and you know but still I'm I'm still very reserved about sort of how long I've been doing it and 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 you know I don't point them to the fact that like you know I went to Michigan Cannabis Cup and and that sort of stuff right. And and I think this is the normalization is is the most important part of you know what what anyone who is operating in this space I think that that's the most important thing that they should be doing is normalizing it right and and showing that you can be a high functioning member of society right and 
still consume cannabis. I mean, correct. I, mean, I personally don't drink because the minute I drink, I'm no longer a high functioning member of society. But that is so socially accepted. The drink. It's wild. It's wild. It's everywhere. And then like, there's no social acceptance of public use of cannabis. So that was the thing that I just did over the weekend was, well, that was my most recent cannabis law and regulation reporter article had to do with the social use and how Illinois is kind of like prime the pump to allow this type of social use, which is great. I mean, I can't wait till there's the day that we, you know, us three can roll into a cafe, twist one up, smoke a joint, have some water or some coffee or something and just talk. Well, that's how it was in Amsterdam. I mean, they didn't serve alcohol yeah. in the same place with, you know, at the cafes, um, you know, and, and, and Pennsylvania's uh, regulation, uh, the, the law that was just introduced, I mean, it includes social use, right? I mean, so, so nice. the fact that these other states are building off of sort of, you know, the experience of other states, I think is important. And, and you know, yeah. I, but I think you're going to see sort of regional rules take place too, especially sort of on the East Coast when you have a lot where you have a large number of states that are sort of clustered, you know, and, right. and, and Cuomo was just he was just, I think, with the governor of Connecticut and maybe maybe Wolf in Vermont, uh, you know, discussing sort of regional cannabis policy. And, you know, so I think that's that's sort of on the horizon. I don't know why the hell I just thought about that, but no, that was like a Northeast conference. I was going to say something about when you were talking about it coming to your state eventually, but they just did a Northeast conference for that. And I mean, I always thought it was ironic that high times is based in New York, you know, like one of the worst freaking in New York city, one of the worst yeah. places that be caught with it. But yet the, the company well, one of the bigger. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, for, I mean, not for nothing. Last legislative session, they they decriminalized it to the point where you can have two ounces. It's a fifty dollar fine. Look, it's two th- ounces for fifty dollar fine. That's yeah. awesome. Three eighths of an ounce is all you can get in Illinois. Yeah, I mean, the, the legal the the decriminalization in New Hampshire is like three quarters of an ounce, right? So, so at the very least, like if I get pulled over with an ounce, like it's just going to cost me an extra fifty bucks and maybe another ounce, right? No, ours ours is crazier than that. I could get pulled over with having medical cannabis, which I have a card for, uh, if it's not sealed. So, like, you know, they expect you to not be traveling with cannabis that's not, like, childproof sealed. So, like, you know, you buy your alcohol, it's, it's prepackaged, you drive it home, same type of thing, which is going to be interesting after uh, the first of the year when home grow is allowed for medical patients. And th- then they're just, they're not allowed to have an ounce outside their house. But what happens if I, you know, measure out seven eighths of an ounce so i'm under that level put it into a, a glass jar and then drive over to my friends to hang out and watch the football game i mean in canada the, the, when you leave the dispensary they they tell you you if you travel with this travel in your trunk right because that's the law yeah. there so you know and again i think we're gonna see you know we're gonna see this sort of these rules take effect right travel it in your trunk and it's still stupid you can put a 12 pack in your, in your passenger seat right you know, the whole situation with Canada is still a clusterfuck, too. I had a friend that oh, just went yeah. two weeks ago uh, to go across. Um, he's not in the industry. He's kind of like me, lower-level guy who's just trying to establish something, make a name for himself, whatever. So he's got uh, T-shirts that he's made and uh, a book that he's written, but nothing that's paying the bills. It's just like, I made some shit. I hope it makes something, right? Fucking, he's going across Canada. They found one T-shirt that was underneath the, uh, uh, the car, and they were like, what's this? After he said he wasn't part of the uh, cannabis industry, he was just visiting Canada. And so that learned to turn into a three-hour ordeal at the border just to get in. Like, what the fuck? For a fucking t-shirt? Like, with a, with a pot leaf? Like, yeah. Like you didn't catch fucking Al Capone, guys. Let's, let's <laughs> let this guy go in there and, and be a tourist and spend money in your country. Like, what the right. Loonies, they call it. Yeah. Well, in Canada, uh, you know, they you... Like, I can't get a job in Canada unless the company out there looks for in Canada first and then says, okay, we need someone with this specific skills and traits, and then I can get a job there if that was the case. But, uh, I mean, this whole, like, how is the whole country legal? States on the border are legal, but, yeah, we're stopping people going in across with T-shirts. What the fuck? You're a bad person. Imperialism. Yeah, there's also imperialism. Well, I mean, priorities are all fucked up. I mean, you know, we got shit in the truck. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, look out west, man. You have you have you have the entire west coast, right? And you can't like 
you know, one one allegedly has this oversupply and you can't move it between state lines. I mean, I mean, if you want a real free market and you want a real economy that surrounds this thing and you know that surrounds legalization and is good for, I mean, everybody involved, right? The states get more money, right? Because wholesale right. taxes, et cetera, et cetera. Then, then you know, what are, what are we even doing here? Right. I mean, that's, right. that's where I ultimately get to like, like, you know, if the federal government's going to say, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, crack down on it, then, then just, you know, let, let the market move as it should. I mean, yes. I'm a free market guy when it comes down to it. But think about it though. Think about it. All right. So you're awarding all these little licenses and we started off this show talking about 502 in Washington state where that guy was getting screwed with probably because they're trying to take his license. You see, they've created this little cottage industry that if you hold a license, it's like having gold, a license to print money. And so because of that, do you think that as you're creating this industry that depends on having these quasi monopolies that are entirely in state, that they are going to want to allow to have these types of interstate regulations? Why? They just spent millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands to get a license. And how are they going to now jeopardize that that investment? Heck no. They're going to want. Well, that, I mean, that gives them more. I mean, that gives them more potential clientele. Well, I mean, that's that's I think one of the reasons why Illinois is doing this first, because then all the people are going to travel to Illinois to get their cannabis. But, um, you know, do you think states are ever going to allow the interstate uh, purchasing and sale of cannabis? I think they would have to do it on a state by state level. Uh, yeah, I mean, Oregon, Oregon passed a law just right. a couple months ago that would allow interstate. And Nevada needs weed. What's that? And Nevada needs weed. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I got a border. Yeah, that's right. I, I think it's going to go there eventually. But because of people having these licenses that they spent so much money to get, they're going to protect them. They're going to go. They're going to try to protect them. Like, no, no, no. Any any cannabis that's sold in Illinois needs to be grown in Illinois. Well, I'm already uh, seeing that in Washington yeah. when it comes to uh, uh, like with the home grow debate. Uh, you know, you would think like anybody in the cannabis industry, any pothead, uh Anything that's pro for the people, let's all get on that. Or anybody being arrested, we support that guy. It doesn't fucking work that way. Like, I don't get – most of these people are selective when it comes to the, like, who they support or what they want to do, which is, which kind of inhibits our progress. Um, during our homegrown uh, conversation in the beginning when the, the regulatory body was going to decide on it here, one of the testimonies was from this guy uh, – let's say his name's Juicy, but he owns a seed company. And uh, – yeah, don't quote me on this. I'm sure if you Google juice and seeds, you'll find it. But uh, this guy was saying, no, we we can't let everybody grow their own shit because they might fuck it up. And I'm thinking, this is the stupidest fucking debate because the whole point is, yeah. let me grow it so I can learn not to fuck it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, that was yeah. that MedMen South Park, right? You know, where they, like, uh, Randy was, was all up in arms against people growing their own cannabis because he had Tegrity Farms. And they're like, what? No. <laughs> And then he partnered with the men, men people to make sure that nobody could have home grow. It's such an interesting storyline. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the South park this season. It's, it's great. I love the one where Randy went to China and was no clue that it was illegal in China. No, I missed. I got to watch that one. Shit. Oh, it's, it's good. Yeah. And it's just making fun of like the NBA and how they're all selling out to China and not standing with Hong Kong. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yep. Hey Tim, what's your take on, uh, um, what the guys that made Charlotte's web? What is patent? No, oh, the Stanley Brothers. What about them? Well, I just think like uh, uh, in the cannabis industry and in conversation, you know, we got a lot of, uh, I mean, obviously social warriors and social justice and whatnot, but sexism, right? Uh, big thing in the cannabis industry. Uh, but honestly, I think if the Stanley Brothers weren't two hunky little fucking blonde dudes, they wouldn't have gotten as far as they got. You know what I'm saying, though? You got these two. I mean, it was like, four I mean, they, but they had, I mean, they had a law named after him. I mean, one of, you know, one of the biggest CBD laws is Charlotte's law, right? Right. And, but that was after yeah. they raised all the noise about who they were and shit. You know, they, they got a lot of noise and press and, uh, I mean, I think they came about, you know, their strain comes about because of this girl named Charlotte and that, 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 that right. whole thing comes about because of the law that's named after her. Right. Right. Um, and that, that was, that was the high CBD strain. I think that a lot of the CBD hemp movement owes itself to that particular strain and that story yeah, yeah i mean i mean the story for sure like and and they you know they just recently got a patent on, on one yeah. of their products or one, one of their strains i think and you know i i think I, I think if we're sort of trying to protect sort of the 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 people who uh really you know sort of founded this space right 
I, th- I think that, that steps like that are important again towards normalization and, and to keeping right some of these things out of the hands of the corporations, right? Unless they decide to sell it over. And I mean, you guys were talking about sort of descheduling, rescheduling at the top of this thing. And um, I, I think that it's important to know. I mean, like rescheduling is my biggest fear. Uh, and yeah. that's because the minute that it's rescheduled, pharmaceutical companies are going all in and they're going to start patenting the shit out of strains and compounds and chemistry and, and same with I mean, descheduling. As soon as it's descheduled, that the reason why you're not getting a lot of plant patents in the, uh, the adult use THC cannabis space and you're getting them in the CBD, you know, industrial hemp lawful space is because you can't patent. Uh, an illegal substance like that. And as soon as that uh, it's descheduled, yeah, there's going to be a rush of people that are going to go and try to get these plant patents. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't think we really need to worry about it as much until we see what type of litigation that may arise from it. But, you know, what happens when you cross these strains? Are they going to say like, no, you, you have to pay me a license fee because the mother of this plant is is this strain and you don't have a license to use those genetics? Well, I mean, I think that's part of the reason, part of the problem with, I mean, part of one of the many problems with when you ban home growers is when people dial in what they like, like personally or what they need medically, right? You're the best person to do that again. And I've never grown a fucking plant in my life. I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, but if I were right, like I, I'd want to be able to, to, to match that and, and mimic that over and over again. Right. And, and, you know, so, so I think homegrown homegrown is super important for that and, about seven thousand other reasons. Yeah, you know. Yes. Okay. No, no, Miggy, preach about oh. home grow. It's oh yeah, thanks. I was just saying with, with the home grow too. Another uh, essential part of it is genetics. You know, uh, yeah. Like with the potato famine, uh, you know, the reason why there was potato famine was because they had one strain of genetics, and then there was eventually a failure. If as a as a consumer, if I had the experience to to grow it to it, right now, I have two two foot plants in my fucking backyard that i wish i took better care of but i know what i did wrong and that's not start from the beginning but i had a long summer too so i couldn't tend to them the way i wanted to but you learn so many fucked up things but you also learn the right things too and it, it's not a, a it's a one-time deal you learn every fucking year along the way yeah, I mean, outdoor, we, we need more of that, too. I mean, the, the amount of yeah. energy consumption that indoor grows use, I mean, there's been reports on it. We know that, you know, but that's what the states require, they're, right? They're so um, scared about the supply getting out. So they want it grown, like in Fort Knox, so that nothing can get out. And I mean, they've, and I've, been, in, I've been in facilities, right, before the plants were even moved in. And I mean, it was one of the most secure buildings I've ever been in. And I've been in state yep. capitals, right? I've, you know, I've been to the airport, Um <laughs> you know, yeah. so it, it's and 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 you know, and and it's hard around here, right? New York, you know, we can grow sort of like autoflower pretty easy. Uh, you know, it, it works in this climate. Uh, but in in Massachusetts, I'm sorry, in Maine, they just uh, cultivated their first uh, you know outdoor grow in Maine, right? And and they can't even use it for flower; they're using it to 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 break it down and stuff to make concentrates and, and tinctures and whatever because you know it's just the flower itself is just sort of garbage like oh, yeah. looking like garbage you know yeah i heard that out of atlanta i'm sorry georgia i shouldn't just call it atlanta they have other cities but uh i heard that was something that's in their medical bill that they have and there's going to be six licenses awarded later on uh maybe even in 2020 now that we're in october but they aren't allowing flour they're just allowing oil Can you believe new that? york doesn't allow flour we our medical program doesn't allow, allow flour no uh, they just like- they just released a product, so they're allowing flour, but it has to be vaporized. So the companies, right? The dispensaries, like flour. The dispensaries are now making vaporizers that patients have to buy in order to to smoke flour. It's correct. Out of control. It's out of yeah, control. That, I like, it sounds similar to what Florida is. I mean, like the the amount of not understanding that the legislature has toward this plant is shocking. Just shocking. It's like what I was saying earlier. It's like banning the oranges and then giving everybody orange juice. You know, this is what what, what the fuck? Like, like, so that one won't kill me. I mean, what are you telling me here? 
Like, what do you know? No, and what's crazy in New York, man, is, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, the Republicans, 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 like, they hate weed, whatever. But, like, it was actually the downstate Democrats in New York that prevented really? cannabis from getting legalized last session. Yeah. You know, because because they're, you know, rich constituents down, down in New York City and Long Island. You know, they, they, they have their wine, right? They don't, they don't need cannabis and they don't need the expungement, right? And, and so, is, where, you know, I was going to just say like, you know, where is um, Keith Strop when we need him? You know, Keith, please go to Long Island and because he likes wine, but then he'll twist up a fresh joint and he'll just, you know, kind of leave it in the, in the ashtray because after a few puffs with the, the modern day cannabis, you're good. Yeah, yeah. But, oh shit, fuck, I just blanked out. <laughs> <laughs> you must have had too much of that industrial hemp. <laughs> That's why I do this shit recorded. So if I botch it, I just I got I got post, man. I got oh, one no, shot, I baby. Like, I, like it live. I like it live. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so much more fun when you can screw up and you're like, sorry. I mean, like you should have seen. Uh, I'm not kidding. Like, so I was trying to practice for this little doodad that I'm doing here. I'm on remote. So like I've actually brought my rig now. I got my MacBook Pro uh, because last week when we had Jay on, who's the founder and you know CEO of Canna Advisors, great guest to have on to talk about like getting licensed. And um, it was just a cluster. Like Miggy was filling time like a pro. Lauren was helping <laughs> out. It was great. And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> never doing that one again. You know, more about the home grow is before the experience of growing it, but also the after. Most people don't, you know, flushing, uh, uh, trimming, all things that. Don't forget the cure. Thing. Yeah. I mean, just people think, oh, I'll just pluck it like an apple. and We're going to be good to go. No, there's other shit you got to do, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I mean, I, it, like it turns out when I was in Michigan and I you know, went to Cannabis Cup and I, I had some live resin, which I'd never really had uh, up until that point. And when they told me, you know, they basically just pluck a butt off and, and smash that shit in a rosin press. And yep. that's why it tastes like it tastes, right? I so fresh. Like that's now that's now why I want to like grow my own is so right. I could just get a get a rosin press and just just rip because it just tastes so good. I can't even. I yeah. can't even. Did you did you? uh do a dab rig on that or would you guys how'd you uh, how'd you consume the fresh rosin yeah yeah it was a, it was a dab rig i tell you let me tell you this let me tell you the story real quick so i and and this is first the boys if they're actually listening going to hear this so I, I got i get into a cannabis cup mind you i don't have a i don't i don't have a medical card but i i like pushed my way in because i was pressed right and they're like don't you consume cannabis inside they're like absolutely not so so i'm wandering around i'm wandering around like sort of getting my bearings right because it's the first time i'm at one of these things right first time I'm like anywhere near like weed out in public and yeah, that's fun though isn't it it's it's wild yeah. so so this yeah. one guy at this one booth man i mean gives me a dab gives me a dab like that fucking long right and i'm sort of a lightweight especially when it comes to dabs so mm. it's at this it's at this fucking race car track and and i do this dab and i and i literally circle the race car track like three times just coughing just coughing and i call up my wife and i'm like i'm like i don't know if i can do this yeah <laughs> like i'm scared to death right now like the fucking fear yeah. man and and so so that's i so i i don't you I know you didn't ask me for like my best like weed reporting story, but that is it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went out to see Miggy for the first time because I've known him for about 10 years now and I've never met him. And so like, you know, back in February, I'm like, man, I think we need to do a podcast. And he was all for it. And so I went out to Hemp Fest in August of this year. And that was the first time that I had ever really seen uh, public consumption on, on a mass scale. And I had gotten the $100 VIP pass. And so Miggy's like, oh, man, you got to go backstage. And that's my Miggy impression. Uh, and, and do uh, a dab rig. I'm like, I've never done a dab. And so uh, you could go backstage at Hempfest, and they had dab rigs from the guy that actually did the, the fresh pressing and even growing it. So it was it was great. I, I did a sissy one because I had never done a dab uh, rip before, and it was delicious. I mean, that's that's I can understand why people do it. I had to watch time for like 10 minutes because you were feeling pretty good standing there. <laughs> I was. I was feeling pretty good. I, I, I thinned some water right then, I'm sure. Yeah. I had a buddy in Oklahoma. We went to Oklahoma uh, for their uh, – right before they legalized it uh, for medical, uh, there was a Seattle hemp fest there, and a buddy of mine was with me, and he did too much and disappeared on me for a little bit. And then when I found him, he was not in good shape and had to take him straight to the hotel room. And we had to stop several times away so he could uh, let things out that were uh, not good. <laughs> So it's like, don't worry. And then, uh, you know, the only thing is, you just got to tell a person, look, man, no one's ever died. <laughs> Your stomach. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, and that's and one of my like underlying fears about legalization is that someone's gonna make something just so fucking potent that like it's gonna give everything a bad name. Like I, that scares me a lot. I don't know if that's like a like my own worry or if other people too. do worry about that. 
What do you think well, about the vape pens? They're kind of doing that right now because, like, you know, it's not the lawful pens that are getting people sick, but the black market catching up to the legal market because these vape pens just took off over the past five years and became exceedingly popular in the legal market. So the drug dealers caught up to it. And now people are getting sick. I mean, that's one of the worries that I have when I see that type of stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. And now states are going like way overboard trying to regulate vapes. Yeah, we're all European vape deaths. I'm just asking right now. Like that's, I mean, this whole vape scares bullshit. And 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 even like, I mean, the conspiracy theories are great though. Yeah, I don't well, know. What, let's go over the conspiracy. Well, theories. the conspiracy theories that uh, legal businesses are actually putting the stuff on the market in order for legalization to occur. Um, you know that the government's doing it to prevent legalization, right? So so those are the two sort of main ones that I've that I've heard. But it's still uh, a big argument for safe access, though, period. If, if it was legalized and people knew where they're buying their shit from, there'd be more traceability. And then, because right now, I guarantee you, these people doing this, like uh, the research and finding out about who died and where the product came from, are not getting the full results. I bet you guaranteed most of these were ordered over uh, uh, Alibaba and fucking, uh, you know, China, right. you know? Yeah. Well, nope. we don't know the long-term effects of, of of just the metal that's in those things, right? Right. I mean, I mean, I I like vape pens, right? Because because I don't yeah. drink, so you know, it's my way of consuming in public. And my concern has always been, right? Like, what did these? What does the metal do when you heat that up? Oh yeah, no one's car- ever answered that question for me. That's right. And then if it was legal, they would be able to have the research into it. Because like China knows, the people that are making the stuff knows. But then when you try to get like the cheapest one, they probably aren't using the metals that are going to not leach out into there and then maybe poison you with heavy metals. So that is exceedingly important. And one of those reasons for legalization. And then also you'd be able to standardize what type of um, viscosity thinners are allowable in these vape cartridges so that you're not putting vitamin E acetate or something or propylene glycol in it. You're using uh, natural terpenes or something. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. And, and then all these back to the traceability. If we, if we had a regulated market and then again, I, I hate saying the word regulated because then I get the shit that I got here in Washington, but you know, regulation just means that there's some controls, right? That we know, and it's okay. You're allowed to do this. Uh, I think when people say the word regulation, other people think all kinds of crazy shit, but it just, it should just be taxes and, and permits, you know, that shit like that. Oh shit. I gotta go. I got to say it. Well, that was, yeah, that was uh, he's actually still working. It's great. You know, <laughs> uh, he, he's not a teacher like, like Tim. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you, what do you teach at the, uh, the college? Uh, media studies. So I cover uh, 101 courses, 288 courses, uh, 300 level courses. I developed a class called uh, uh, Media Bias, uh, Criticism of the News. Oh, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of the wisdom regarding your belief of media bias when it comes to cannabis? Well, I mean, so they're just not, they're just... They're just not educated. I mean, most reporters, right, they have limited experience with the science. And I was once told by, you know, one of my journalism professors in undergrad, he said, you know, specialize, you know, major in something, uh, write, you know, minor in journalism, you know, and because he really wanted people to be more science uh, literate. And so, uh, so, you know, and that's one thing I think a lot of journalists need to do is they need to get cannabis literate, right? So, so by using the word marijuana, right? And a lot of it comes to sourcing, right? Who are they using as their sources, right? Are we using Kevin Sabet still, who, you know, is is the worst guy ever? I'm, I'm pretty is sure. A spam, smart approach to marijuana. Yeah. Is that Kevin Sabet? Yeah. And, and and what has he what what has he done lately aside from put a bunch of anti you know money into anti legalization efforts right yeah but I I'm think we should sure. be talking his money where's he getting his money though because you know that Sam isn't paying for itself how is that slush fund getting funded is that coming from the pharmaceutical industry is that coming from the prison industry who's paying his bills I, I mean and and he's technically not a lobbyist so technically we're gonna you know we're not really gonna find out. Um, but you know, and a lot of it's sources and, and, you know, I think when it comes right down to it, it's, it's breaking sort of the, the stereotypes and breaking the narratives and, you know, really informing people. And, and, but the part of the problem is if you're a journalist, you want the facts, right? And because of the lack of research, we don't have those. I, Um, the thing that pisses me off the most about cannabis in the media are the stupid pun headlines. Like, Oh, uh, new mm-hmm. cannabis law hazy, or, or it's just the silliest, stupid headlines that are always a pun about how cannabis is about getting you high. And or that's like, the bias. 
used and that's the bias yeah you know and 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 you know but then you see i mean you see cases of like the las vegas review journal that's owned by sheldon adelson who put a shit ton of money into anti-legalization who actually did their fucking jobs during during the whole lead up they they were very you know adelson told them do not put uh pro cannabis stuff in here so they reported on it right down the middle and and that was to, to me and and to me just for the record the biggest loss that the the, me, the cannabis media has ever had is the loss of the cannabis they did such good work they were such seasoned reporters they were so smart they were so well informed uh you know it was their baby um and once that went away i knew that we were going to have to rely on independent media because you know none none of the None of them can do it. I mean, Politico's got their own thing going on, uh, which is which Welcome is pretty back. exciting. Uh, hey, man. Um, hey. You yeah, know, like a lot of the places have beats now. I mean, like I mean, Gondrepreneur has its own. It, it created its own um, publication in and of itself, and I I think that we was, need more of that. I mean, we need more sort of professional journalists who are willing to take a pay cut to to write about something that they're at least interested in. Really, you know, that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the best parts about being in the cannabis industry is that so many people that are in it are totally about it because they think they're doing they're doing like justice. They're writing wrongs that have taken years and they're fighting for something that they really believe in. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's why Miggy has been an activist for as long as he has. You know, that's, that's the thing, too, is you got to watch out for sometimes there's media companies that just pop out of nowhere. There was one in New York. I forget what this guy's name was. Uh Guy was total douchebag though. Um, <laughs> like it wasn't, it wasn't me. No, it was like cannabis SOS or some shit like that. I SOS. remember that. And that motherfucker, dude. So like Mickey Martin, great activist, dude. This motherfucker came out with an article uh, uh, saying some shit like he wasn't dead and all. I mean, like, how would you feel if your? I mean, your wife saw that shit. It was the guy I mean, caused some risk. Be the bright Bart of the cannabis industry or something like that. You know? Yeah, that's what we do not need. We do not need a bright Bart of the no, cannabis. I mean, and and that stuff. And there's some really good independent stuff. There's the Canna Badger out of Wisconsin. Oh, he cool. does really great journalism, and it's he's just a guy. Oh wow! But right? does he cover just Wisconsin area? Yeah. And that's and he awesome. keeps up on and public policy and and that's my and that's you know to me the mark of a good journalist is if you can read public policy because it's not fucking easy or fun um, you know why it's, not, why it's nice to see guys like Tom who can who can read law you know getting into this into this space and and be able to uh, you know sort of fill in the gaps the knowledge gaps right where where journalists sort of stumble and even even you know where citizens stumble. Yeah, that's the thing that I just to, you know, pitch and, and moan on this. There's not very many lawyers that are getting into it. And like I've been into it since before I could get into it. Like, you know, back when I wrote that book in 2010 under a fake name, of course. Uh, but now that I am, I have problems because I don't have the people that I can call. So I get calls all the time from people who are being discriminated against simply because they're a medical patient. For example, somebody who's got epilepsy and they're still in school. And so they have their medicine in school and that's getting them in trouble. And I'm like, they're being discriminated against solely because they're a medical patient. Who do I call? That's a plaintiff's counsel that is able to fight for their, their rights to not be discriminated against. And I've tried to reach out to other ones and I just get nothing back. And I'm like, crap. I mean, there's just not a bar or, or a lot. I mean, a lot of the cannabis lawyers that get into it, they aren't business lawyers. They're usually criminal defense lawyers who then you know, go toward a different area. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I know nothing about criminal defense work. I know no nothing about like personal injury work. It's a, or employment, plaintiff employment litigation. It's an entirely different world than when you're a, a business lawyer who used to litigate secured transactions for financial institutions. It's, you know, it's just different. Well, you got the business side locked down and, and I wish there was more, um, uh, criminal lawyers that would step up and, and try to help. And, you know, the ones that have stepped up kind of are mixed emotions again. You know, you got big names like Pappas. This guy did some good stuff, but then again, I've heard some shady shit where he was fucking selling uh, cannabis church uh, uh, licenses and, you know, little little market schemes like that. Uh, there was another one, uh, Minority, over in Florida. He's done some good work, but I've heard some other shady shit where he's led people on, and there's actually, he's facing... Um, uh, charges in Florida for uh, false representation of saying, you know, don't worry, I got you because I'm a lawyer. And at least you let people know, like, 
I'm reading the same rules you are, but I have to read all 60 pages, and I'm going to make you as <laughs> compliant as possible, goddammit. You know, uh, it's a very arbitrary field you're in, but it, it, you, at least yeah, you're doing I, the best I, you can. Sometimes I joke, like, can I commit malpractice in this? Because there's no standard of care. There's no, it's not like this is a well-settled area of law. It's not. It's the least settled area of law. But I mean, of course, you, you always do your best and then you you really stand as a fiduciary to your clients and make sure that you're advising them as you'd advise your own company if it was yours. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Seriously. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, it's beginning to get to that time. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we follow Gondrepreneur Pod and see what's going on there? Uh, Gondrepreneur.com. Uh, there's a podcast section. I think it's on Google Play, and I think it's in the Apple Store. Um, I actually usually give a spiel at the end of every episode with that information. Do it. I don't Do it, know man. it. I, I have a script in oh, front yeah. of me. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know it. Uh, but thanks for having me, guys. This has been uh, yeah. this, this has been fun. It's been great meeting, man. Yeah, Nikki, where can we follow you? Follow me here next week. <laughs> All right, <laughs> where you at? Uh, you can Google you can Google cannabis lawyer and go to my website cannabisindustrylawyer.com. And then we're going to turn this actually right now. We'll we'll let Google chew on this for about an hour, and then we're able to strip it back into an MP3 format. We can forward it over to you if you wanted to. Just take a week off and be like, here's my podcast episode for the week. <laughs> awesome. It doesn't work Thank like that. My next guest is from Australia, actually, so I'm pretty stoked Ooh. on that. Who is it? Uh, I, I, I I don't know his last name. All right. Well, I'm sure it's going to be. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take yep. care, man. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate it coming on. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next Wednesday.